0: This episode of Aphorisms is recorded in London, the colonial capital, and on the unceded lands of the Gadigal and Wangal peoples. We pay our respects to elders, past, present, and future. Oh, hey there! Welcome back to episode ten um, of Aphorisms, the podcast. This week, Maddie and I, of course, will be covering all our regular Real Housewives content, plus um, in our new kind of witchy review segment we watch the love witch and we recap um this ridiculously brilliant beautiful movie um so i hope you enjoy plus (laughs) very happy to let you know we've reverted back to our regular horoscopes um and i have a feeling that sex horoscopes will never ever appear on this podcast ever again so you'll be put out of your misery hope you enjoy this week um and thank you so much for listening Good morning, Maddie.
1: Good evening, As.
0: How are you going?
1: I'm really well. How are you?
0: Good. I've had one glass of red wine. <laughs> I'm feeling sleepy. It does not do the same thing to me that white wine does. Isn't that wild?
1: Yeah. I remember red wine. Puts you to bed.
0: Yeah, straight to bed. Really bad idea that I had that. Um, But here we are. <laughs> Last night <laughs> I had gin, though, and I, I cried a lot watching a Diana documentary. So... I just can't win at the moment.
1: I heard that Diana documentary is pretty good. Should we watch it for the podcast?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. A lot of feelings and emotions and yelling about it. Absolutely. Great. Um, so how's your week been?
1: My week has been very busy. But I have absolutely nothing interesting to report. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only my job is is busy or interesting. How about you?
0: Yeah, same, but not even my job is interesting. It was just really busy this week. Um,
1: well, what was interesting this week was <laughs> House Eyes of Potomac.
0: Oh my God, always so interesting, but I feel like you're jumping ahead. Do you, oh, do you oh not no. want? We have an astrology hack segment to do. Okay, let's do it. Okay, great. <laughs> astrology hacks um as per usual i'm getting my horoscope from scorpio mystique on instagram um done by dose via who's brilliant and the most recent horoscope she's posted is the 25th of november so that's the one that i'm reading Mm -hmm. um as always i don't understand the first sentence of my horoscope ever it says scorpio venus is in our sign and today it connects with Chiron? Chiron? Huron. I don't know how to say that. The asteroid that deals with our inner wounds in the sign of Aries. I know know we say that we're hacks like it's a joke, but we really are. And I don't understand what any of the planetary-speak means, really, other than Mercury retrograde. Um, But apparently, this Scorpio-Aries energetic duo, combined with the flames of Sag season, may amp up our passionate nature and make us feel like there's a lot we have to get off our chest, but we don't know where to begin. Oof. Yeah, this hits home. It's best to take time to write down your feels or vent to someone you trust rather than try to get to the bottom of things all at once today. Oh, my God. Cut to me FaceTiming my best friend, Sarah, and full-on breakdown, sobbing, crying to her the other night. I just literally felt like I had to unload on someone, and that poor woman... um, is the one that I had to cop the brunt of it. She's a new mum as well. So I was literally like apologising every five seconds. Just, sorry, I know you have real things going on. Sorry, can I just talk about one more thing? Sorry. Um, and she just let me cry at her for a very long time. But it was good. It helped.
1: Yeah, yeah I feel like that was a very Scorpio horoscope <laughs> in a sense that <laughs> Scorpio is just bottle shit up, bottle shit up, bottle shit up, and then explode.
0: Yeah, and I don't even like, even if people ask how I am, I kind of put it off talking about until I'm ready and usually when I'm ready is when I've got no other choice. Um, Horoscope also says, as we approach the eclipse, so many pent-up emotions are coming to the surface and are shifting at once. Yet, yeah, check. Um, we have to give ourselves time to align with this new vibration. The more patient we are with ourselves during this process, the easier it will be for the wide range of our feelings to be felt and then peacefully released. I think, do I have to like make come to terms with my emotions as I have them? Is that what this is saying? Rather than letting them build up build up to the point where I'm sobbing on FaceTime with my best friend who's holding her crying newborn baby?
1: Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like at least like sobbing on FaceTime is a way to healthily process your emotions. Like, I don't think that needs to, I don't think we need to, um, like label that as unhelpful or.
0: Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's a I think that's a reasonable coping mechanism, sobbing on FaceTime. Yeah. That's, Amazing. That seems healthy to me. Okay.
0: Thank you. I accept. And the thing is, it's not like that's the only time I cry. I cry often, but I usually <laughs> I usually schedule my cry for like the end of the day in the shower. Um, mm-hmm. So just like a little solo. Oh, let's get it out now. This is the rarity is when I share with another person, like yeah. when I need to cry and get my emotions yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: Sometimes you need an audience yeah. to, like, just sometimes you just need someone to witness your emotions, you know? Yeah, because
0: I feel like that is when the transfer of energy, like, where you can offload it. If you just yeah. still keep doing it, like, to yourself, by yourself, it's like a cycle that never kind of gets alleviated. But another person can, as soon as you kind of, let go, I feel like they kind of take a little bit of the load off you just by being I think so witness. Too. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I think also when you share emotions or, like, thoughts and feelings with other people, like, it's not in the inner world anymore because, like, sometimes when stuff stays in your inner world, like, it can get very – it can seem a lot more complicated and a lot more Mm. um, heavy than it might feel if it's just out in the world, if that makes sense. That makes sense. like when you put it out in the world, it gives other people a chance to witness it and go – that's, you know, that is really, really difficult. And also here are some things you might not have considered about it or stuff like that. so that is letting so things true. out into the world is
0: important. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say that's so true. It validates what you're going through. Um, and also, like you said, people illuminate things that you've built up and built up and built up and they go, no, this isn't a thing because, look, you can just do this. Yeah. And then it feels a lot more um, surmountable.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: hmm Okay, great. Well, I'm happy with that.
1: It sounds like you had a big week, Cass.
0: <laughs> I had a, I've had a really big emotional week, but nothing's happened. You know <laughs> what I mean? I understand. Okay, look, there's been no triggers or anything. It's just, ooh, I think, I think going through a lot of a stressful period in the recent time built up to coming out of my body now.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. Like sometimes when you're in like survival mode or like action mm. mode. Um, things get delayed and yeah. then the stress comes out later.
0: We did talk about this, didn't we? Or oh, me and Hannah talked about it when she was on a few weeks ago. And she was like, oh, I think I even mentioned the fact that my back will probably go after it's all done. And guess what happened on Monday? My back, back fully went. went. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ow. Yeah. That sucks. It's weird how we process our emotions and feelings as physical um, elements or factors.
1: It's so interesting how like I don't know, um, a lot of people like think that that is that is strange that like your emotions mm. happen in your body, but like your your body is you. Like I don't mm. I don't really get it because like I think Western society is like your brain and your soul is separate to your body and that, that's where your emotions are. But like I think that your body just is you, right? So your emotions are your body. So of course it makes sense that. Your body and you're like you're physically impacted
0: by your emotions. That is so true. Fuck, you're so smart, Maddie. <laughs> Thank you. As soon as you said um, your body is your and ha- your emotions happen in your body, I feel like I, a light bulb went off above my head. I was like, oh yeah, duh.
1: Yeah, your emotions <laughs> are your body. Like they're a physical thing. Um, mm. You feel your emotions in your body. So they're not they're not like something that's floating in your head or in your soul. They're inside you, like and so that's why people get sick from their emotions and yeah, um, yeah. So it's really important to like honor them and let them process and let people bear witness to them as well.
0: Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Good right, luck following go, that.
1: So mine also mentions the asteroid that represents. Did you say it represents inner wounds? Or is that just me?
0: Um, I think it did, yeah. Yeah.
1: So the asteroid is it Chiron or Hiron?
0: I mean, in Greek, it would be Hiron, so that's why I got really confused. Um, but what did you say first, Chiron?
1: This is a this is your podcast, so we're calling it Hiron because you're Greek,
0: okay? <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: Huron is an asteroid that represents our inner wounds. Um, chances are that this transit may collectively bring up some old bag- baggage that has cleared before the lunar eclipse takes place. Taurus, you may be in the mood to let go of limiting beliefs regarding your partnership. Even if you've been hurt or deceived before, that's not all you're meant to experience. And if you're currently deepening a connection, take time to focus more on what you want to feel rather than what you fear. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, You can acknowledge your fears or insecurities without letting them take control of the narrative of your life. Then it says, you're the captain. I'm the captain.
0: You're the captain um. now. <laughs>
1: um Yeah. Well that actually is spot on is it? <laughs> for me this week. I've been going through a intensive period of I think growth in terms of my relationships. I'm in a very long term relationship. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I feel like have I been in this relationship for too long because I've known this person since I was very young and stuff like that. Um, But actually my relationship is really strong. Like I have a really happy relationship Aww. and sometimes I have to like just get out of my own head. And honestly, thank you to my partner who's also <laughs> studying psychology. Uh, I don't know if she'd be able to tolerate me if she wasn't.
0: Um, oh, bless her. That's nice
1: yeah he just always talks me through my like regular relationship (laughs) crises without ever getting upset with me
0: oh (laughs) wow
1: i'm sorry you feel that way (laughs) (laughs) she's like do you think this is about your childhood (laughs) like (laughs) you just fucking guides me through my crises on a regular basis
0: oh that's what everyone needs jesus
1: I know, I'm pretty lucky in that sense.
0: Yeah, you have a unicorn. I do. Love that for you. Yes. I feel like, sorry, not to be judgy, and I'm not, and I don't, you know, whatever, I don't know psychology or anything, but I feel like that is such a good, important partner for you to have, or you would be really hard to draw emotions or, like, that kind of thing out of you sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's good that you have someone that understands and keeps those conversations flowing
1: absolutely and I think on this podcast before like Mm -hmm. um I mentioned about like how when I was growing up like I was always looking for what another the other person needed like I was always Mm -hmm. trying to fulfill um that need or like look behind how the person was acting to find what they needed and it's so funny because my I would just be like going fully psycho. <laughs> My <laughs> partner would just be like to me, okay, what do you need? Like, do you know what I mean? So like I'm one of those difficult people as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I never thought of that because nobody stopped to be like, okay, mate, like what what is it that yeah. you actually need because you're acting like a maniac. Um,
0: but she's f- always
1: like to me, okay, like she's never like you're acting like a maniac, even though I know I am. Yeah, of but she's just like right now I can see you having like a lot of issues <laughs> like what's wrong um what do you need to fix the issue <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah yeah oh that's awesome yeah.
1: yeah she's a good one she is yeah all right <laughs> enough of this um sappy shit how about <laughs> how about real housewives of potatoes
0: yeah sorry we made you talk about your emotions for so long today Maddie <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. (laughs) So this week we watched, um, of course, Real Housewives of Potomac. And this episode was season five, episode 17. I can't believe we're at 17 already. And then we have to do the reunions. Like, it's creeping up on us. I'm not ready for it to end. I just felt a little bit of panic. Because then all we have, I mean, we have Salt Lake City, but then what else is there? Nothing. That's like OC. I don't want to watch that anymore. We broke up with it. Is New York coming back? I don't want to watch COVID stuff either. Anyway, I'm spiralling. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you is,
1: like, because I know on the previews for OC, they, were, they had, like, um some COVID content. So, it's obviously, shit. I mean, maybe not, obviously, but do you think Potomac has filmed prior to COVID, right? So we may not get this this quality yeah, for some no, time. No, we
0: won't. And Potomac was the first – it filmed – early enough to be done for COVID but then the reunions, they were the first ones to film in person again so they've skipped COVID altogether but OC is just getting into the COVID stuff and I know Beverly Hills I think is filming or New York, someone else is filming at the moment nice. I don't I don't want to see that, you know boring, I don't want to relive COVID but OC at the moment is like Kelly not believing in it and doesn't think it exists in the OC, it's still the very early days yeah um, but anyway, in Potomac COVID doesn't exist yet. um. So this episode, they're still in Madeira. The ladies are still traveling. Fucking, like, I know you said it, we've said it every week, but watching people travel at the moment is just, like, porn. Um, And this whole episode. It is. <laughs> it is. The whole episode is kind of building up, basically, to Ashley telling Candace um, that she wrote the character assassination um, for Monique against Candace, and it's basically Giselle and Robin being like you have to tell her and prodding her along throughout the episode so there feels a little bit like there's an elephant in the room but Candace doesn't know can I just
1: say this was my favorite episode yeah it was
0: really good wasn't it it was it had fucking everything so we
1: had dominatrix party
0: (laughs) we had dominatrix party which was amazing but you're you're blowing your load before we get there there was stuff that happened first just wait um oh Sorry. First of all, I just wanted to call attention to the fact that Karen is hysterical. And she says these little things that I'm like, I would never think to say something so normal like that. But then she says it and I'm like, that's the only way to say this. So they went down to like this little natural like ocean pool thing. And everyone's like, Karen, are you going to get in? Karen, are you going to get in? And Karen is just like looking at it and turns around and she's like, if it calls me to dip, I will. And I was like, that's a nice way of saying I don't know if I want to swim or not.
1: That is so true. I love the grand Dame. She's got like, such a way I with thought I thought I like her less throughout this season, but I like her more every episode.
0: Yeah, me too. And I never felt this affection towards her. Anyway, I fucking love her, but I did not love her calling Ray and having a bit of, like, a sexy call. She, like, showed him her dress and then put her phone up her crotch and stuff, and I was like, yucky, yucky, yucky.
1: <laughs> I didn't mind it. I was like, oh, good <laughs> Karen. <laughs>
0: Um.
1: I was like, "Come then."
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, Candace apparently never sends nudes. So then at the this is I'm just talking about my favorite parts first before we get to the good shit. And then the other women are like, "Oh, send Chris a nude. Send him a nude. Blah blah blah. Do something fun." And then at the dinner table, they hold the tablecloth up, and she sends a photo of her boobs. And his only response to her was, "You all are so dumb." <laughs> Ain't shit. Male award goes to Chris. I mean, fuck. Honestly, Chris, why is he so useless? He doesn't deserve her.
1: Well, I actually, I have to say at the end of this episode, Chris surprised me and was surprisingly useful to Candace at the end of the episode. Mm,
0: fine. We can discuss that later. We um, can come back to that. Also, Karen has a new business. I love her. I love the grand dame. I love how she makes up businesses constantly that do nothing. Like, apparently now she has a wig line. Sure. Good for her.
1: Also, on this note, I need to bring up the photos and what Robin did by editing out Karen
0: from the site. I
1: genuinely thought the photos were fine. They were
0: absolutely fine. The embezzled pictures, Karen looked just like everybody else did. Oh, it's not embezzled.
1: Exactly the same as everybody else. Is it called embellished? Yeah, it's embellished, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) She looked the same and she looked great and she's like an older woman and it shows a different demographic enjoying your stupid ugly tacky hats, Robin. Like, how rude.
1: I know how rude. I hated that. I was just like, no, that's yeah. that's just rude. That's just rude. Like you just don't want an older looking person yeah. on your show. That's... But she looked beautiful. That like beautiful. the photos were fine. The hat looked good. The hat looked better. I was
0: on about to Karen. say she elevated it. She elevated she, it.
1: She elevated it. She looked. It looked better on Karen than like the only ones I thought it looked actually like a regular hat on, not like some sort of crazy dressed up <laughs> hat was her and candace i thought those two pulled it off and the others i was like that is mess
0: agree
1: genuinely a mess
0: i could (laughs) not agree more i had the exact same thought process also i don't know what's wrong with me but i think candace always annoyed me in other seasons i never noticed just how beautiful she was and her interview look this season the all white with the white headscarf and she's got kind of red makeup on like red eyeshadow as well Oh, oh my god she's so stunning
1: Every look Candace has oh. given us this season has absolutely murdered me as a homosexual. <laughs> I, c- I cannot handle it. And the, the Dominatrix party oh, was this
0: week. Oh, yeah. I was just was about to say.
1: to die for.
0: She to die for. fucking brought it. So, so Jizz and Ashley decided to host a party for their last night, like themed Dominatrix styles, mm-hmm. as you do. The most hilarious thing to me was all the editors had to keep putting, like, eggplant emojis and all the dildos they clearly had tossed around the room. Giselle yeah. made <laughs> Giselle made me uncomfortable to see as a dominatrix. Ashley made me uncomfortable. Everyone made me uncomfortable until I saw Candace And then I was like, oh, my god!" And she had, like, this full-on, like, feline leather mask happening and a corset. And just, she looked amazing. She, like, stepped it up and she took the theme and ran with it.
1: It was very dangerous woman, but grown up. Like, I loved yes. it.
0: Yes, totally agree. Um,
1: also, I loved Karen's outfit. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is femme daddy couture. I loved it. <laughs> um, so, like, Karen and even, like, I always think Robin looks hot, even when she does, mm. like, these stuff. I'm she just did. like, you're beautiful. I, I accept it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was Karen Candice. Karen and Candace were excellent. The outfits were really good. Mm-hmm. Wendy also looked absolutely stunning. She
0: did. She really um, did.
1: Ashley's outfit for this murdered me. This was the worst.
0: Murdered you in a bad way.
1: Terrible. Yeah. Terrible outfit. Disgusting. <laughs> what I was like the fuck? really disappointed me too. as the only bisexual on this show that she could not pull off a good fetish outfit. And
0: isn't she supposed to be like the kinky fun one that does like whatever, random shit with her and Michael. She turned up in a sad fucking red lace onesie. It was atrocious. That is not yep. dominatrix. How dare you be the host of this party and wear that?
1: I know. It was so hideous. The leggings? The leggings were so disgusting. <laughs> I forgot about the leggings.
0: Yeah, even Giselle looked better than her and she didn't look good either.
1: Can I just say, so in this episode, um, Ashley describes picking up I, once again, a woman, Oh for yeah. First reason, at an EDM concert. Um, I remember last time she said David quit, get and I lost my fucking mind. When she was like, Michael and I picked up a woman at a David Gedda concert. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't remember who, I didn't know the DJ she said this time, but I'm sure it's like equally as embarrassing.
0: Ew. Yuck. Oh, but
1: brutal. as a person who has been in situations where, like, I thought a woman was interested in me, and then surprised there's a man like behind her. <laughs> uh, I was just like fucking losing it because I was like, imagine Ashley, who's like hot as fuck, yeah. approaching you, being like, "What's up?" <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Michael, you see the corpse. <laughs> the corpse comes out of the woodwork.
0: No, bitch. (laughs) No, bitch. No. And then she was like, we didn't end up taking her home. We just kissed a little bit. Yeah, no shit. You know why? Your scary husband. Um, No,
1: she said she got finger banged on the dance floor. By who? By the girl. Yeah,
0: exactly. But she didn't want to take it home with, she didn't want to go home with them because then she would have had to do something with Michael.
1: Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So that girl, clever, clever, was like, you're a hot piece. We'll get our little action on the dance floor. I'm not fucking going to a secondary location, though goodbye
1: yeah good call
0: good call clever woman good for her (laughs) um so the conversation obviously turned to sex as they're all kind of sitting there and can I can I have a real moment like just a little bit of a, a heartfelt I never do this but Karen they're all talking about like their kinky sex lives and asking each other lots of sex questions and playing games like oh not have you ever but Have I never have I ever, whatever it's called, but asking, like, have you ever done this? What's the most this you've ever done? And Karen just sat there looking increasingly uncomfortable. And I know watching it, I got, like, secondhand cringe for her. Do you know what I mean? When they were all going on like this and she clearly didn't have much to contribute to the conversation, either because she's, like, older and feels uncomfortable or her and Ray haven't for a very long time or maybe they had a very boring sex life. I don't know. But as someone who, like, lost their virginity quite late – that feeling when everyone around you is just talking about sex and you have nothing to kind of contribute is, like, oh, it just feels so, like, humiliating and you're full of shame and embarrassment, like, oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? And I just felt that for her and I was like, oh, I hate when people do this and you're the only one that's sitting there going, like, anyway, I definitely have had sex times. Yes, tick. Like, you know what I mean? I just felt for her. I wish they moved I that on. her
1: too, but also, like, I... I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I'm just showing my own <laughs> issues here. But I don't I don't really understand a situation where you're friends and you get together in this setting.
0: Like and like I watched
1: say- this episode because I'm gay and I wanna see women alone <laughs> together in a room in fetish gear, right? But I was just like, I genuinely do not understand why straight women are doing this. Like, I don't understand. If it were me and, like, my friends were like, let's dress up sexy and sit in a room together, I'd be like, ah, nah, I wouldn't like that. (laughs) I'd rather not, you know? I'd rather just, like, know if there's going to be a situation that's sexy, I'd like it to be sexy. And if there's going to be a situation (laughs) with my friends, I'd rather just, we just relax. Like, I'm not... (laughs) And then, like, they're all like, oh... Like we need to like give our husbands regular BJs,
0: and I was like, uh, "Do you?" Yeah, I almost died at that part. I was like, "No, no, whoever doesn't want to do that, that's fine." Karen was like, "I've retired my mouth." I was like, "Good for you, great." No. Um, I yeah. know what you're, I know what you're saying in theory. I would not dress up sexy to hang out with my friends. Absolutely not. That's when no. sexy times happens. But I totally talk about sex with my friends. You do not like that. You don't do that.
1: I don't mind if there's, like, if there's a reason, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if someone's like to me, let's sit down and discuss sex. I'm like, no, I yes. won't be doing it. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah, I loved watching it, but I was just like, oh, this is truly strange.
0: Yeah, it did a little bit. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was the final night, as we said. That's why they had the big theme, which means mm-hmm. it was the big, Ashley was going to reveal to Candace that she mm-hmm. wrote a statement Against her for Monique. You know what I mean? For her suit. Um, So she confessed that she wrote a statement for Monique. But then she was very kind of cagey about it. And Wendy, who did not annoy me at all in this episode. In fact, I was very impressed by her. She asked like very pointed questions to Ashley to determine what exactly was this fucking statement. Because she wasn't there. So what could she have possibly given a statement for? So she asked a few clarifying questions and determined that in fact, yes, it was a character statement that Ashley wrote about Candace um, based yeah. on her interactions with her. And Ashley tried to justify it in a very kind of bullshit way of like, these are all things that were just public, but everyone. No. And then Wendy was like, you know what this is? This is like a snake move. And Ashley's yeah. like, how is it a snake move? I'm telling her I did it, blah, blah, blah. It's all out in the open. And Wendy's yeah. like, it's a snake move. And she was so accurate here. She was because you saw an opportunity to get back at Candace and you fucking took it and you, this is the route that you took in order to do that. Yeah. And Ashley's exactly. like, no, I wasn't getting back at her. Blah. But then Robin and Giselle were like, actually, when you told us, you said, what did she say? Um,
1: even. She was doing she it to get that even. Now we're even.
0: Yeah, now we're even. So she was looking for an opportunity basically to come for Candace. and that's why she yep. did it.
1: I was so grateful that Wendy was here in this episode yeah. um, for Candace's sake because um I as you said like every question that Wendy asked was important every observation that Wendy made including that mm. Ashley is a fucking snake <laughs> was important and just to have someone there to be like absolutely not and here are the reasons why mm-hmm. this is just disgraceful behavior instead of there being that gray space for Candace yeah like being like oh is this bad like is this not bad because like despite, you know, having their own judge- judgments on it, Giselle and Robin sat back. Like they yeah. weren't like, this was the wrong thing to do. When Ashley told them, they told her it was the wrong thing to do, but not in front of Candace.
0: Exactly. So like. They're the ones that are I kind was- of snaky. They won't put their necks on the line for anyone other than each other.
1: Absolutely. They're tra- they're behave- the way they behave is trash in <laughs> relation to stuff like this for sure. Yeah. Um, But the fact that Wendy was there to be like, okay, like, tell us the details of what you've done and let's make an assessment and then made that assessment and let her know, like, that behaviour is unacceptable. I had so much respect for Wendy in mm-hmm. this situation and I was so thankful that she was there for Candace to, like, to just let her know that like what she was feeling is the right feeling. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, like validating it. And that's where her degrees all came in handy and I was so happy she was there, <laughs> <laughs> all four of them. Um, also, it was mildly hysterical to me that this conversation was happening because Candace still had her mask on the whole time yeah. and she's like crying and getting emotional, but I was also a little bit like, take your mask off. <laughs> Can't take you seriously. Oh,
1: that meme actually made me feel really sad because I felt like she, Candice was like, you know, coming back out of her shell in this episode. Oh, yeah, true. Was, like, you know, had that beautiful outfit and that beautiful swimming costume and the, like, photo shoot at the bar. She was feeling herself. She was feeling herself and then this situation just kind of cut her back down after she'd been having, like, this really nice time. And so the fact that she was in this costume, like, made it quite heartbreaking for me. Because I was just watched, just felt like I was watching her get crushed.
0: Mm. And I was so sad. you always so much nicer than me. Yeah, I feel sad now too. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, speaking of this, when she finally kind of gathered herself and felt really angry, she's like, fuck you, Ashley. And Ashley just so cold and dead in the eyes was just like, that's your opinion. What? Or I respect your opinion or something. She said, she's a fucking sociopath.
1: I know, see, at the beginning of this season, my initial impression of her was to you, I was like, she's Wamba. Wom- I mean, like, she's, um, she's like not right in the head. <laughs> so, yeah, but then I was like, oh, she's like seeing the truth with Michael and blah, blah, blah. Nah, like, we're straight back to not right in the head the way not she behaves.
0: Right. So, very wrong in the head, in fact.
1: She's wrong in the head, yeah.
0: Um, and then to add a spanner in the works, Karen is like, I know something which is why she refuses to pick a side, basically, between Monique and Candace. And Candace is like, well, what do you fucking know? Like, if you know something, just tell us what you know. And she doesn't reveal it to the group, but then in her one-on-one interview tells us that in the statement that Monique wrote and the one that Candace wrote about what happened in each of their respective lawsuits, I think Candace wrote something like that she released a glass from her hand in self-defense towards Monique. So Karen, I guess, finds that to be an admission of guilt that she threw the glass and did, therefore did something back to endanger Monique. So Monique is justified in her counter suit.
1: I don't know why Karen was acting like that was a secret because, yeah. you know, I remember when we originally discussed the fight, I was like a, a glass. She was, Monique was hit in the face yeah. with a glass. And I like, you can see it in the video. Yeah. that Candace actually hits Monique with a glass and she's bleeding and, you know, um, obviously that doesn't justify Monique like no. attacking Candace, but as I've said before I'm not surprised that Monique attacked Candace considering that Candace was telling Monique to drag her <laughs> and that they had mounting like animosity towards each other yeah you know, it's not it it's just not surprising to me that those two had a physical fight but that's what I saw it as it was a physical fight I did not see it necessarily as like a one-sided assault i i believe that this is a physical conflict between yeah. two people
0: yeah i see what you mean so i thought i was very confused by that i didn't understand the point that karen was trying to make she's just trying to keep justifying the fact that she refused to take a side and i'm whatever just say i, I, I refuse under- to take a side i'm
1: I think just say, like, you were both – I watched you both fight yeah. each other.
0: Yeah, just say yeah. that.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't be like, I know something you don't know, because, like, we all know, Karen. We've seen the footage.
0: <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, big week. Woof, good episode, though. Good
1: episode.
0: So, that, any other thoughts on Potomac?
1: Oh, oh, yeah, I'll just say, like, after um Candace finds out that, that – uh, about Ashley's character assassination, and they have the argument. Um, then they go back to their respective hotel rooms, and Ashley FaceTimes Michael, and Candace calls Chris, yeah. and. Michael is supportive but being just like a piece of shit as usual, not necessary towards Ashley, just generally a piece of shit. Yeah. Um Chris actually does spring into action over the phone. He's like, You're absolutely right, right, Candace, like, what the fuck's wrong with her? Blah blah blah. So I will give Chris credit this episode that I won't call him useless in this okay. particular
0: episode. All right. That's nice. Yep. And big steps. Yep. Big steps um so then after this next week they'll be going back to dc i'm presuming and i still don't know if they're ever, we're ever going to see monique and candace come face to face in the season oh no we won't because they said right the first time that they come face to face is in the reunion right okay okay so no we're not going to see this well moving right along our other favorite <laughs> franchise salt Lake city continues to delight um oh, yes <laughs> so this is this episode was season one episode three of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and it was just as delightful um, as we've come to expect already this season Um, it kicks off pretty much with Heather planning a baby shower for five of her employees so the the baby shower thing kind of led to a few of I guess Heather being a bit triggered about family and life and Mormonism and what she's lost because she fully broke down still about being divorced because the divorce means now that she's not Mormon anymore like and she's always been Mormon and she's Mormon in her heart and blah, blah, blah. Four generations of Mormons in her family and the fact that her t- husband chose to divorce her means that now she can't be a Mormon anymore and that she failed basically at creating a perfect family and being a wife and mother. Um, obviously this is not the case as all her friends try and tell her and Jen is like you're not a failure, you're not a bad person this is just a divorce, so you need to take the, like, the power out of this label basically. Um... But Heather can't because that's taken her religion away from her and that's all she's known, I guess. Even though, like she said in the first episode, she's friends with gay people and black people and whatever, so it actually doesn't suit her at all, this lifestyle. Um, And yet, she says she would have remained married to him 100 million percent no matter what the kind of marriage was and this divorce happened against her will, which I was, like, astonished by. Yeah.
1: Um. I wasn't that surprised. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It just seemed like, yeah, it seemed like very conservative values for sure. But um, I don't know, like a lot of people, isn't that what marriage is? Like a lot of people just stay married
0: and yeah. are miserable
1: and heterosexual. Like that's what they do.
0: <laughs> it's true. I guess I kind of thought by now maybe she should be like, I don't know, I think she needs to find a new a new person and discover, mm-hmm. discover herself a little bit because she also said she's never been in love before. So I guess she doesn't know, like, may as well just keep going with this because I've never known anything different.
1: I think we're going to – we've got great um cougar potential with Heather. Yes. That's my impression of her. Like, I feel like Heather is in discovery zone. Like, I can't wait to see what happens with Heather because, yeah, um, yeah we're going to have some excellent – um cougar action i I think think so i think she's gonna go
0: i think she'll go for luann like not like shannon and kelly who have settled down with conservative old white men i reckon she'll go like luann and be like oh this is what i've been missing okay yeah 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 Yeah, fine um speaking of i mean that cougar vibe energy she's not one but jen um (laughs) who we love and adore she goes to visit is it Lisa? No, Meredith. Meredith's Meredith, house. Meredith, Meredith, yeah. She, she goes to Meredith's house and just, like, you know, chills with her and her kids, um, Meredith's kids. And then she kind of was talking about doing, like, a high kick or something, and the daughter's like, what's a high kick? Is that a drink or a shoe? And so she literally turns her body towards the back of the couch and flicks her leg up and shows them what a high kick is, which, what a weird question, but they didn't know what that was. And then Meredith's son fucking loses his mind. He has such an attitude and they in his one-on-one interview which he got a one-on-one interview kind of moment he was like her vagina was in my face I was like beyond uncomfortable and disgusted and shocked that my mother was friends with someone who would do that in our house around her children like lost it I was like can you calm down she turned towards the couch and kicked her leg up like big fucking deal he was not happy about it
1: so I was extremely sus on um brooks's reaction to this situation yeah. i was sus on it so i i felt like this uh this interaction between jen and meredith and her kids was heavily edited because meredith was heavily intoxicated when jen got there right and i think mm-hmm. maybe jen was as well yeah. or was heavily intoxicated by the time this interaction occurred um there seems to be a lot of stuff cut out of the interaction. So they're not, there's not like a full conversation. It's right. just the high kick moment. Um, But when Jen is doing the high kick, did you notice that she's saying grinder and kicking her leg up and down? She's going grinder, grinder,
0: grinder. <laughs> nah, I didn't even notice.
1: <laughs> so I was like, why the fuck is she saying grinder? So I was like, is she, was she like, Trying to be like cute about Brooks being gay, and that's why Brooks is oh. so pissed off with her.
0: Oh, maybe that's Because, like,
1: you know, when older straight women are like drunk, firstly, mm-hmm. like r- rich older straight women, they're drunk, are a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but then there's like that element of like if they are like in the presence of a gay person and they're trying to be like whatever
0: super awkward yeah, and old like, lady. Maybe
1: considering. They're like Mormon or whatever. Maybe he didn't like that she brought that up. Maybe it was just no. Gross. He's not Mormon. Mary, oh yeah, they're not Mormon. They're Jewish, they're Jewish right? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like whatever Jen did, it was inappropriate. Like, and it's just pissed off this kid who is just like, I don't know. I, I can, I can, I think I can empathise with Brooks. Initially, I was like, <laughs> don't ever talk shit about Jen because I love Jen. Um, and maybe maybe he just has it in for her. But then I like kind of was watching the situation and I was like, mm, maybe she's doing that like older straight lady thing where she's acting crazy towards a gay person and that's what this is really about.
0: Mm, maybe. Or is it that you just always take the opposite view of what I've just said? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I agree, I agree with you. I'll have to rewatch it because I didn't notice that she was saying grinder. But then it becomes like Brooks doesn't – it's Brooks, right? He doesn't want his mum – to go to Jen's party, which is on the Saturday night after the baby shower, whatever, because it's the sisters' last night in town, and she's just been it with her. And then Meredith gets guilted, and she's like, "Fine, I'm not going to go to the party, and I'll stay." And I'm like, "If your daughter is her last night in town, why would you not be spending it with her anyway? Like, if you didn't have yeah. that thought to register it, why do you give a shit now? Like, true. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, I love Jen once again. <laughs> I love Jen in this episode. What a maniac! I love the Jen squad
0: you do I think it's sad that she has a gen squad why she pays people to be her friend they're just
1: like this team of like gorgeous like brown queer people that like just follow this <laughs> fabulous woman around like how can you not love that
0: I mean yeah it's just sad for Jenna that she has to pay for friends
1: yeah I mean, obviously Jen's got serious issues, yeah. but I love
0: the Jen squad. Of course you do. Good for them.
1: They're Good. making money.
0: Yeah, that's true. I'm happy for them. They've got themselves into a great little gig. They get to hang out with Jen and be paid for it. Um, yeah. Um. More importantly, Mary goes to dinner with, oh, what the fuck is her name? Meredith. Yeah. And Meredith. just in my head, I'm thinking Lisa. She's Meredith. Yeah. Um, And they basically bond over being married for a really long time and then hating their spouses um, and not believing if anyone ever says they've been in a long-term marriage that they're happy. (laughs) Which made me laugh because that's accurate. Um, Yeah. And then then what happens? They go to church. Mary has people over at her church, right? She has Whitney and – oh, was that last episode?
1: Whitney and Whitney's dad and Meredith come to uh, Pastor Mary's church.
0: Yeah, and she puts on the full – mary show for them um so whitney's like really happy because it's the first time her dad's been welcomed back into a church and feels validated and welcomed by someone and you know mm-hmm. nice things however can we take a moment to talk about mary's church <laughs> did you read that stuff that i sent you the other day it was like an instagram post
1: <laughs> i just feel like there's a new scandal every day with mary and
0: her church <sighs> There are real- this one was a, like 45 scandals in one post so someone randomly commented on an instagram page or a reddit post or something being like i was i used to be like part of the congregation to mary's church and just spilt the tea like the whole fucking teapot they were just like listen i've got some shit to say and it was fucking wild (laughs) it was fucking wild the first thing was um that mary was married before she was married to her step granddaddy um Mm -hmm. for a year and then as soon as her grandma died she was spending a lot of time with step grandpa robert and then at like in front of the congregation at one of the services step grandpa robert like denounced her husband and like not excommunicated him but like accused him of doing like forcing mary his wife to do unclean acts like oral sex or whatever so
1: mary's grandma
0: said that no she the grandma's dead at this point oh mary's mom no, Robert, the the husband, the new husband, her step-granddaddy.
1: Accused Mary of what?
0: Accused Mary's husband of unclean acts, like sexual acts.
1: Mary's previous
0: husband. Yeah, 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 sorry. So her, right. the one that she was married to, in a way to kind of get him out of the picture, so then he could be with Mary. Right. And so her, her little, we didn't have sex after the wedding for like a month was a... I mean, a lot of people are saying it's a lie because she was already canoodling with him quite early on before she was even divorced. Right. So she had her sights set on him. And they were, like, drawn to each other. Whatever. They got together, which is just, I mean, crazy. And then someone said that it's, like, a cult. So this person was, like, the church has become, like, a cult. She thinks she's God. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then they kind of... What do you call the people, the congregation, the people at the church? You yeah. know, Yeah, the, the congregation. congregation yeah. They mm-hmm. force them to make a lot of payments to Mary and Robert so they can be really, really rich and flaunt their wealth and travel the world and everything, but everybody else is like borderline povo and gives them most of their wages and salaries and stuff like to the church.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty common for most Christian churches, though. That's not really is it? exceptional. Yeah, that's not exceptional in Mary and Robert's case. <laughs>
0: great um so yeah the question is like did she and step grandpa plan the grandma's death and get rid of mary's husband so that she could take over and become like a rich first lady pastor's wife um take everyone's money and yeah (laughs) look i oh and she did this story so <laughs> I'm sure you are. Also though, she disappeared for a really long time, apparently, and then came back looking completely different. So she also had a shit ton of plastic surgery to her face. So maybe that was the operations she was having, not removing the odor glands.
1: Could have been all of the above. Could have been all of it. <laughs> um I like this version of the story better, I have to say. The agency is a lot stronger. Um, There's obviously a lot of agency with Mary. That's what I've been like sensing from the beginning. Like I don't, I think at first we were kind of like, oh, Mary's been victimised by circumstance. Yeah. I, whether or not that's true, like regardless of whether that's Mm. true, Mary obviously has a lot of agency. And if it was her grandmother, like she said in this episode, you know, I trust, I trusted my grandmother. So if she made that choice for me, I trusted her. And that was like that's it for me like if she's like I trust my grandmother and this is like my yeah. path and I feel like this is the right path for me I'm like good for you Mary if you did still your grandmother's partner that's wild but also good for you I'm glad <laughs> glad you had that agent to do that um, if you started a cult happy for you Um, good job you know like I, I don't mind it I love Mary I'm like everything she's Gee. doing I'm interested in it
0: yeah I'm on I'm also interested in everything that Mary does, but I'm also wildly terrified of her. Like, she intimidates the fuck out of me, but I'm intrigued. Nothing else really happened. They had, like, a speak-easy party. Whitney, for some reason, I'm not sure why, it was never explained, decided to throw a party. Maybe she did. Mm-hmm. Did she? Yeah.
1: She didn't yeah. explain why, she just wanted
0: to. She just wanted to. She had, like, a prohibition-era kind of speakeasy party um where everyone came dressed up not completely disregarding the theme I feel like um Jen came in like a ball gown (laughs) like everyone came in something different just that they want they felt the vibe of it wasn't a very Mormon party there was like I mean I guess yeah there was strippers there was booze obviously there was good shit so yeah they had a party and then Jen basically confronted mary did she confront mary or was she just like there's a feud brewing because she was pissed off that meredith went with whitney and her dad to the church she's like why is meredith going to the church when she knows like about my feud with mary and she will not let i know we've already talked about this but she is really fucking pushing this feud that does not exist and that's pretty much all i had to say about salt lake city this week
1: yeah so the episode ended with jen storming out the party
0: yes it's going to kick off again but it sort of Left us on a cliffhanger. It did. It
1: did. God, I love this show. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. I look forward to it every week. Um. So, should we talk about The Love Witch, which you briefly
0: skimmed through? <laughs> I didn't. I watched it quite thoroughly. I, can't, I totally forgot we were supposed to be talking about The Love Witch this week. So, I just watched it. So it's fresh in my mind. And mm-hmm. the main number one thing that I want to say is that I'm going to buy turquoise eyeshadow tomorrow that's my, yes. <laughs> my main takeaway from this movie this was amazing yes. I fucking loved it
1: you loved it
0: I loved it
1: I knew you were gonna love it also what they... did you love about it wait <laughs> let me just do an intro to it so this week we watched the love witch this is part of our new segment where we discuss <laughs> witch or is it just all with any witch themed content at mm-hmm. the end of the podcast
0: yeah I think witchy I think magic I think super natch, you know let's Keep it. I mean, we're probably going to run out of witch movies if we just keep it really specific.
1: Yeah. So, like any sort of supernatural, witchy um, pop culture comes in at the end of the podcast. It's just all of our interests, really
0: <laughs> intersecting. Yeah.
1: Um. So this week we watched The Love Witch, which it looks like a vintage movie, but it's <laughs> actually it was actually made in 2016. Um. And it is a film by Biller and I love. Yeah, I love everything about this film because Annabella like wrote it, she produced it, and she wrote all the like psychotic music in this (laughs) film as well. Yes. Mm. Um. So this movie was a huge hit. Um, when it came out in 2016, Um, was it? It's like cult status now yeah 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 absolutely
0: I was living under a rock um, obviously
1: I know I was surprised that you hadn't seen this film before but I yeah. knew you were gonna like it um it's like listed I think as like one of the best like fantasy horrors of all time um yeah it's a fabulous movie it's fabulous so tell us Af, what you thought about this movie
0: first of all I loved the aesthetics it, it made it was done so well and I think it's because it was actually done on film like on, like, negative film, proper old school. And it reminded me of the old movies from the 60s that my Yaya used to make us watch when we were at her house. And she would literally, like, everyone looked like Elaine. Is that her name? They had the bit the witch in the movie. Yeah. Everyone yeah. kind of looked like her. So I immediately was just transported into a very happy kind of vibe of, like, oh, I used to watch movies <laughs> like this with my grandma. Oh, Yaya yeah, yeah means grandma, obviously. Um, And I thought she was very beautiful, <laughs> like, extraordinarily beautiful this woman was just like breathtaking so i enjoyed watching her um but i really liked it was i thought it was very clever it's like it didn't do the just you know you know but i'm a cheerleader did the very obvious subversion of gender stereotypes right um yes this wasn't as obvious as that but it was more talking about like um, male toxicity and the you know the way people search for love and what women want from partnership and what men want from partnership um and the fact that kind of marriage was created basically to keep women as either servants or whores and a way of delineating between good women and bad women and also bringing in the kind of witch thing as well into it and how women were deemed as witches back in the day do you know what i'm saying um yeah they use the trope of persecuting witches in a modern modern like the 60s setting because at the end there is a still a part where people like the villages or whatever the people in the town still hate women um not women but also women but witches now like burn the witch burn the witch so it's bringing back old tropes into kind of this setting and i just feel like i rambled for a really long time but i loved it so much and i loved watching her kill all these men and making potions and doing witchcraft and just was like heaven it is
1: it is aesthetically it's just a beautiful movie like it's so enjoyable to look at um, and, yeah, I loved watching – I lo- I don't mind a horror movie as long as it's a woman killing men. Like, <laughs> I have, like, a really strong aversion to anything horror. Same. If it's just, like, nasty insidious shit. But if it's, like, subversive in the sense that, like, women are killing men or, like, it's, like, a revenge narrative, like, yeah. um, sort of, like, Park Chan-wook movies and that kind of thing. Jennifer's Body and then even, like, you know, like, Parasite, for example, mm-hmm. like, Parasite's, you know, um, yeah. it's about class warfare. So – they're the kind of, like, horrors that I really get into. And this is one of my absolute favourites. Oh, I
0: fucking loved it. I want to rewatch it again where I haven't skimmed, like, all the way past it. Um, So there's mm. lots of naked people in this movie. Um, Worth noting, you have to see some willies as well, which is gross. But <laughs> I really liked all the commentary on, like, men and women and the stereotypes around that. So she was talking a lot about... It started off with how to get your man back, but then... I was like, oh, where is she going with this? But then she would talk about how men are the fragile sex um, and you just kind of need to get them where you want them by dangling bits in front of them that they like so you can kind of control them Uh just in a language that they understand. And so I very much enjoyed that. Um, That's true. But it was very like men are like children. They're easy to please, but that means they're easy to control as well. So she was, Uh I guess, trying to find a way where she would actually find her perfect partner. Mm -hmm. But she said basically she kept getting disappointed by all the men.
1: I don't know. I think that this movie is about the vicious cycle of gender, like of gender as a dynamic. So, like, the way that a lot of people think about gender is it's an identity, but what it actually is is a dynamic between, like, these two um, polar – like, in the movie they call them polarised sexes or polarised Yeah, the polarity between male and female. Yeah. and I felt like there were a lot of moments in this movie that, like, um, demonstrate how Elaine the Witch, who's played by Samantha Robinson, um, is, like, stuck in this cycle. Yeah. So she's, like, stuck in this gendered dynamic with men um, th- that's often, like, very harmful to her. Um, but she's, like, stuck in this place and she's, like, trying to use magic in some ways that's al- that's almost, like, subconscious to, like get yeah. out of this cycle and the movie kind of finishes on a note where she's like, you know, she's just back stuck in the cycle again but like she can't help but like have this almost like hatred or animosity towards men even though like what she desperately wants most is to be loved by them. Um, yeah, And I just love the way that the movie explores that and um, shows it in such like a fun and like hilarious and <laughs> like absurd way.
0: Yeah. And the same thing always happened to her, except for the last guy. Like, the same thing didn't happen with him. So you think for a moment she's broken the cycle because of Uh the twist of her actions, which is that she stabs him because he's not falling for her and he didn't drink the potion and he's not followed the path of doing the exact same thing that she set out for everybody else. So you think maybe she's broken it because she stabs him with her athame, but then she looks up and she kind of, in her delirium of what's just happened, she starts fantasizing about the fact that she wants to marry him and go like go off into the sunset with him. So you realize she hasn't broken it at all.
1: Exactly, and I think what this is about is about the idea of like fantasy and how gender is actually a fantasy as yeah. well, and the way that like um you know that how powerful these social fantasies are about like marriage and happy ever after and um you know a continued like lifelong romance. Um, between heterosexual couples that's like my one and only forever that's, you know, we're two polar opposites that complete a whole, you know, this kind of two pieces of a whole idea. Um, And it's about that fantasy and about how that plays out.
0: um, In very damaging kind of structures, I guess. In
1: in a damaging way, yeah.
0: Yeah. It was so fun, though.
1: (laughs) It was so fun.
0: (laughs) Um, I bloody loved it.
1: It was, it's a a great film. Um, I have one more thing that I want to bring up before we finish today. Yeah. And that is that the happiest season comes out (gasps) in cinemas this week.
0: Sorry, are you fucking joking? Look at my final note if you can read it. (laughs) Happiest fucking season comes out this week. Um, I know it's not a witchy thing, but it's a lesbian gay thing. So can we talk about that next week?
1: Yes, that's I'm... what I was gonna suggest that as well. Christmas episode and then we'll take a
0: break. <gasps> yeah yeah, a
1: month or so.
0: Yeah, sounds good. I'm so fucking excited. This intersects all my gay loves. Kristen Stewart is in it. Mm-hmm. The song has been done like the song for the movie has been done by Tegan and Sarah. And Claire Duval directed it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I'm so happy. I genuinely
1: cannot wait. Even though I hate I think that it's like cor- corny colonizer content. Um, I still love it. I, I the, the fact of the matter is you can be a decolonial baddie and a basic bitch at the same time, and that's me. And I'm ready <laughs> to cry over this stupid coming out story.
0: Yeah, look, do I hate that we have to have a coming out story as our lesbian Christmas rom-com movie? Sure, but am I going to fucking soak up every second? Yes, I am.
1: And Look, it's probably a a vicious cycle of our own. You know what I mean? Like, it's a vicious cycle that we cannot stop watching coming out to family white lesbian content. Um, But you know what? It feels good. It feels good when you watch it.
0: It does. And you know what? Also, we take what we fucking can get. If that's what we've Uh got on offer to us, that's what we have to take. And as long as it's got a happy ending, in the meantime, that is an improvement for a lot of fucking lesbian movies and content.
1: That's true. Also, it was brought to my attention that Aubrey Plaza was in this movie this week. I did not previously know that. Previously, I had absolutely no sexual interest in the women in this film because um, (laughs) skinny blonde women with blue eyes are absolutely not my type. Um, Although I do like Aubrey Plaza because she's mean.
0: (laughs) Aubrey Plaza is mean, but also you fucking liar. You love Kristen Stewart.
1: No, I don't. Oh, I did love her in Charlie's Angels, though. But that's because she was, like, giving that, like, fooch vibe, which I, I did enjoy it.
0: Whatever. Also, I know you probably don't like her either, but Alison Brie, I think, is in it. Um, oh. No. No? She's so pretty. Nah. The only downside is she's married to a Franco, but I did love Community. So I have loved Community a long time ago, but I still love her.
1: I don't mind community, but I can't fucking stand Alison Brie. Again, see my notes on Anne Hathaway. I have the same criticisms (laughs) of Alison
0: Brie. But it can't be the same because Alison Brie does not have the same status and standing as Anne Hathaway. So you cannot come in as vicious for her. No, No, I'm
1: not going to come in as vicious, but the sentiment is the same.
0: Fine. Whatever. (laughs) I'm so excited to watch this and talk about it. We're watching it tomorrow night in my house, in my very gay household with um, my two housemates and my girlfriend. And we're making an evening of it. And I'm so excited. That's
1: awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to watch it over the weekend and we can revisit next week.
0: Also probably be messaging you as I'm watching it live. Thoughts. Yes. Great. Excellent. I um, expect it. Well, enjoy. Have a wonderful weekend then, and I'll chat to you next week.
1: Okay. Good evening, Anne.
0: <laughs> Good morning. And that wraps up another week of Afroisms. Um, Highly encourage you to watch The Love Witch, by the way. There's definitely something in that for everyone. Um, it's a little bit campy, it's a little bit witchy, it's very beautiful, there's some horror. Um, so I think you'll definitely enjoy. Plus, if you can, watch the happier season and enjoy. Tis the season, um, you know, to be festive and a little bit gay. Um, and as we mentioned, next week will be our last episode for a little while, but please come back in the new year. We will be back with more witchy, um, pop culture, real housewives content, of course um so don't forget about us please come back in the new year um and with that have a lovely week